This is the weekly wrap-up from the desk at Old Mates. This is the Backyard Tech Podcast. Morning, everyone. The weekly wrap-up returns again this week here at Backyard Tech and three stories that I want to give you my opinion on. And uh, let's, um, let's kick it off with this AMD and Intel issue that's going on. And I've got to be honest, something is rotten in the state of processes because this is unbelievable. Now, wind the clock back a couple of years when Meltdown and Spectre reared their ugly heads for Intel and the AMD people were all celebrating. Now what we've got is the fact that AMD CPUs for the last nine years are now vulnerable to major data leak attacks. Now we know the Intel and Spectre issues... Well, they date back some two decades. Some indicator could go as far back as Pentium 3. At least AMD, it's only for the last nine years, but something's rotten in the state of processes. The question is, why? Now, there are conspiracy theories out there. There always are. There are credible theories. There are theories that, you know... Neither of the processor manufacturers even knew these existed. Although Intel was forced to admit they knew something about Meltdown and Spectre. But some of the shine during the week was taken off AMD when it was found that they are vulnerable to data leak attacks, let alone Intel's CSME is also now you know, vulnerable to data encryption attacks and DRM. Now, the conspiracy theories that have been flying around is that the, you know, intelligence agencies and all this told both manufacturers to leave these vulnerabilities in their CPUs so they could get in and cause chaos. Others are saying that it's, made, you know, co-opted by various other global superpowers who want access to the Western world system and to be able to bring down people. Um... Some of the more optimistic ones are that, well, they knew about them but didn't ever think they'd be exploited. And some other super optimistic and almost left field out of the ballpark say that neither of the CPU manufacturers knew about these at all. Now, Intel's Meltdown Inspector seems to be a case of they knew. But, I don't know, something's... Something's rotten in the state of processors, people, because you've got the two big CISC processor people, companies, I should say, Intel and AMD. Now, we know that going all the way back when AMD cracked the 64-bit system that Intel had to, you know, go across the road, sit down and have a cup of coffee and a cigarette with the AMD people and say, hey, fellas, can't help us out, can you? Now, Intel had been the king of 32-bit. All of a sudden, AMD's belted them through the park on 64-bit. Now, we know at the moment, AMD is destroying Intel. The 7 nanometer lithograph process is coming thick and fast for AMD, but Intel's not going to get there, at least not this year. As the article said during the week, it could be next year or later. So something's, something's not right. But now you've got... It, unfortunately... Threadrippers in this problem too. So AMD CPUs for at least the last decade nearly are in trouble. 
and ongoing problems with, with Intel. What is wrong in the state of processes? Now, is it just clumsiness on behalf of both the CPU manufacturers? Well, don't take it to court, put it that way. Is it due to, as some conspiracy theorists call it, the elitists and the globalists? I don't really buy that. I wouldn't take that to court. They knew about it and hope it wouldn't 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 ever be found. That's highly likely. If you remember with Meltdown Inspector, there was a reduction in process, speed and, and power to avoid getting hacked on Intel CPUs. The question is, what's AMD going to do? It doesn't look like much because as the article said, other than a hardware fix, it's a performance drop off if you're lucky. But look, you cannot shy away from the fact that there is something horribly wrong. Now we know Intel for a long time has been really working on their Xeon system and the security of the Xeon. AMD's Opterons are walking them in the park. And I'm Team Blue. I've, I refuse to even accept Team Red. Oh, I am a Team Blue. I am a dead set in the Fed Income Department Intel person. I always have been. And as I've mentioned before, the four or five systems I think I've had over the years that have been AMD have been atrocious. Now, I know they say you can't judge a book by its cover, but I've had, yeah, I've had probably five and they've been terrible systems. I won't touch them. So, <coughs> as I said, yes, I am Team Blue. I am Intel, but even I've got to face the reality of AMD walking us in the park. But the two of them don't want to be seen in the same boat, having pretty much the same vulnerabilities when it comes to the security of their devices. It, it's ridiculous. If anyone knows what's rotten in the state of processes, let old mate know. I'd love to. Virgin Media, their database being leaked. 900,000 people affected by this. And what do you say? How do you, how do you comprehend a large mass media company leaving their database unsecure how, how 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 does that work okay i admit i know nothing about databases i know nothing about creating them i don't want to know i'm not interested it has no i, I don't care where i get concerned is when you have a mass media company like this unsecured 900,000 person database? Why are these big companies not worried? Now, a mate of mine creates databases. He creates SQLs, and I know they are secure. I guarantee you, he could probably create a better SQL database than what Virgin Media did. And whilst they admit it was accessed once, but it was left unsecured, it was open. I fail dramatically to understand this. 
I fail. Now, I know I'm dumb, but you cannot be that dumb not to secure a database. It does not matter how big that database is. It does not matter whether it's just a simple Microsoft Access database right up to a complicated SQL, be it a MySQL, be it a Maria, be it a Postgre, it doesn't matter. It has no bearing on the type of database. If you don't lock that database down and prevent it and isolate it, It just makes no sense. My systems here at home are, as far as I'm concerned, for me here at home, I'm pretty secure. Now, if I had a database, um, for starters, it would only be accessible internally. It would be on an isolated system far away from anything else. Data security is paramount these days. Not just your own data security. Data security across the board. We know that there is a massive black market money pool if you can get people's details from anywhere and sell them. And yet you have a company like Virgin Media 900,000 people. Now, no financial details, eh, fine. Names and addresses. So it, you, you cannot say that that's just a, I mean, typical corporate uh, spin was done, you know, uh, we value our customers' data security. We will endeavor to, you know, put new processes and practices into place to ensure this, but Okay, we know old mate does everything old school. But these companies, they don't, st I mean, okay, look, this is, to give you guys an idea, all right, you have created a database. Now, a certain friend of mine will correct me if I'm wrong on this, but um, he creates databases. Member of both the Backyard Tech Facebook group and the Art of Tech, not playing with a full tech Facebook group. He creates databases. The f correct me if I'm wrong, but the first thing you should do before you actually launch that database is lock it up. Secure it. It sounds like Virgin Media from the, from the get-go, it was not secure. It was open slather. Now we know, as I said, there's a massive black money market pool. If, if, if you can get hold of a database and sell those details to someone else somewhere, you can make a stinking fortune. But then all of a sudden you've got Virgin Media who came out and said, you know, we value our customers data security and privacy. We will put in new practices and processes. Yeah, reactive, not proactive. And it seems like everything these days is reactive. No one's, you know, I'm proactive. Before I've even got anything sorted out like with a firewall, before I do anything, all my rules are in. You cannot, today you cannot be reactive to a situation. 
be it a cybersecurity situation, a data breaching situation, a network. What you can't be reactive. You can't just sit there and hold the view. Oh, we'll work on that if the time comes, and then all of a sudden you get hacked to pieces, and the CEO's going, "Oh crap! I should have." You know, in hindsight, you know the old saying: "In hindsight, you know, hindsight's a great thing." Well, not in today. You cannot be reactive today. You have to be proactive. Otherwise, stuff like this will happen. The end of SETI at home. After 21 years, a very, very sad day last week. Now, I want to thank Greg Bound, my dear friend over there in the US, for alerting me to this one, because this one passed me by, and I covered it yesterday here at Backyard Tech. Um... As the article says, they've reached a point of diminishing returns. And any time a project like that gets to that sort of state, you've got to make a decision. Now, they're saying it was not an easy decision to make. Right? The Bonic system has been popular. Oh, five million people. That's basically a global, one global supercomputer. Now, it launched May 7, 1999, as we all know as I was reminded yesterday. Um, but it's sad. I mean, you know, a project like that, running for that long, and they have got quadrillion petabytes of stuff to go through, and I understand that. All right, you cannot... Once something gets to a point where you are getting diminishing returns, and, it, you know, I do watch a lot of astronomy and cosmology stuff on YouTube, and I used to watch it on pay TV. Because I'm just interested in that sort of stuff, along, you know, obviously with severe weather and everything. Um, but I know, and it, it, it sort of goes with any project like this. Once you get to the end of a project where you are getting, as they call it, diminishing returns, and you're not getting anything coming back, or you're getting the same thing coming back, you've got you've to sit down and say, where do we stand? And I, look... There'll be a lot of people who will want to say that UC Berkeley should keep the program running, but if they're getting the same stuff coming back, why? I mean, it's not like they don't have enough data to cross-reference it against other radio telescope um, discoveries. 21 years of data. 21 years of radio telescope data. Yes, it's sad to see the end of SETI at home. Notice, though, they said this is not a cancellation, it's a hibernation. Now, the, optis, the optimist in Old Mate says that there's the possibility they may restart it. Might be a small possibility, but they may restart it. Who knows? Who, who, who knows what will happen? But you have to face the fact of, you know, that's a long time for such a massive project. And they're right. Trying to keep up the systems with changing, not just changing, you know, users, but the internet over the last 21 years. Data packet technology. We've gone from IP4 to IPv6. Servers have increased in power. Servers have increased in capacity. We've got broadband internet. 
we've got high-speed fiber internet. UC Berkeley is a major player in the in the IT industry along with um, MIT and all that. Even I know that. So, but keeping the data up, upgrading their systems, distributing the data globally is no small feat. It's a massive mean feat and they've kept it going for 21 years. So you cannot say it's an easy job. And if you are assuming that it was easy for UCB to do this, then you obviously know more than they do. And you're talking about some of the brightest minds. I mean, where did BSD come from? Um, so, you know, they've got to the point now, they have got so much data to go through. And having, the, the, the funny thing with SETI at home is, it was a one single global supercomputer. You think about it, five million users. People like me at home with big computers or Xeon computers or something like that. Down to Intel Core 2 duos, right up to you know, um, some people having servers like mine, you know, be it a Sun server or, 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 or a Sun workstation or a Mac or a PC or what have you. Risk-based, CISC-based. I mean, multi-processor, multi-sized machine, crunching number. It, it, it has got to be the biggest supercomputer we've ever seen because it was a wide area supercomputer. It wasn't just on an LAN. It was on a WAN. So a very sad time. I was part of SETI at home for a long time. I'm sad to see the end of it. I'm sure some of you have been SETI at home users uh, on and off. As I said, I have been on and off. Um, but, you know, you, you've got to admit that once a project gets to diminishing returns, things have to change. You've got to make that call. You've got to sit there and say, yeah, we've got to make our mind up. Now, you know, some cynics will sit there and say, oh, UCB ran out of money. Don't think so. Don't think so for a single minute of that so it's a sad time the end of SETI at home after 21 years now just as a quick finish up word got out yesterday Bill Gates is walking away from Microsoft the company that made him a billionaire now he stepped down from the CEO position some time ago he's now walking away from the board period that's the end of Bill Gates and Microsoft. Um, not, how do you, could it be the fact that Bill Gates has been at Microsoft for as long as he had that could be the problem? Not sure. Nadella's been running it for that long now. He's just been on the... Gates has just been on the board. Will this... Will Bill Gates walking away from Microsoft change it? 
we're going to have to play the waiting game on that. I mean, when I saw the news, sitting down watching my preferred news service, which as my viewers all know, is National 9 News here in Melbourne. I saw a what? I'm not sure Bill Gates walking away from Microsoft is going to change Microsoft for the better. I think Microsoft is so entrenched in their ways and lack of flexibility that nothing is going to change. I think the problem is Microsoft's reliant on their own platform to keep them in business could be problematic. But I'll be honest, I don't know. I'm going to I think we'll keep an eye on this one in, uh, coming up this week at Backyard Tech. I want to see what what comes of it. Because Nadella's been running it. I don't think he really gives a stuff about Windows. And I'm sort of leaning towards the fact is, is Bill Gates walking away? And I haven't seen the full story yet, all right? I want to find some more bits and pieces to it before I actually do something about it here at Backyard Tech. But when I sat down and watched it last night, I thought to myself, I wonder if he's walking away because he doesn't like the direction Microsoft's going in. And because he is no longer the boss, if he feels Microsoft could be getting worse and he wants to walk away rather than go down with a sinking ship. But I'm going to keep an eye on it. Once some more details come out and I can put something together for it, I'll get something up. But I have to wait and see how that pans out. Because I honestly, I have no idea how that one will go yet. No idea at all. There we are, the weekly wrap-up. This has been another presentation from Backyard Tech.